Hey everybody, Justin White here, and you're about to listen to episode 17 of Power Forward. Our guests are Mike Cordes and Matt Grella, the co-owners of Nexa Mortgage in Arizona. Nexa is one of the biggest mortgage broker shops in the country, and Mike and Matt recently made a decision to end a business relationship, not because it wasn't prosperous, but because this business partner of theirs didn't share the same values as Mike and Matt. We're going to get into that and find out why it's so important to put long-term gains over short-term pains. Power Forward with the owners of Nexa Mortgage comes your way right now. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to inform, entertain, and educate. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast series do not constitute legal or other professional advice, opinions, or endorsements of any kind. This is Power Forward. All right, welcome back to Power Forward. Justin White and Mateen Cleaves with you. Mateen, what's going on, my man? Oh, Jay White, you know me. Typical thing. Just living a dream, man. Not trying to wake up. All right, all right. Well, we got a great show today. We're going to get into some conversation about decision-making and specifically long-term thinking versus short-term thinking. We've also got a couple of great guests. We have Matt Grella and Mike Cordes. They are the co-owners of Nexa Mortgage out in Arizona. They have got some interesting thoughts on a very big business decision that they recently made. So we're going to get into that with Matt and Mike. But first, Mateen, I want to ask you about decisions. You know, we, we make decisions, obviously, every single day from the big ones about, you know, how big of a house am I going to buy to, you know, which credit card am I going to sign up for to things like, should I buy that hot dog at Costco? <laughs> Incidentally, the, the answer there is always yes. You should always buy the hot dog at Costco because, number one, it's delicious. Oh, yeah. Oh, number yeah. two, it, it's the best deal going. $1.50. Oh, man. Plus, you get a free soda. Can't beat it. So, so those are you know just, just some of the decisions that we find ourselves making in life. But, Mateen, when you think about you know those decisions that are long-term versus short-term, what are, what are some of the things that come to mind for you? Uh, well, you know what? Goal setting comes comes to mind when you think long term. And I think what people have to understand when you're doing something long term, what sticks out to me is consistency. If you want to have long term success, you have to be consistent in that. And you look at the Tom Brady's of the world. They're having success, but it's they're long. They're having long term success because they're consistent. Look at the Michael Jordans of and it was the consistency. So if you want to have long-term success, you got to be consistent at what you're doing. And, and guys like you mentioned, the, the Tom Brady's and Michael Jordan's, you know, dur- during their careers and Brady's still playing, you know, you'd have to think that every decision they make, it's not just, okay, what's good for me today, but what's good for me a week from now, a month from now, a year from now? How am I going to prepare myself to win not just the game this week or tonight, but two months from now, in the Super Bowl, in the NBA Finals, right? Right. And I think a lot of these decisions have to be calculated. Um, you just don't go into it. Put some thought into it. You know, you look at a lot of successful people. I don't think there might be some that were spurred the moment decisions and they were able to have success. But most of these decisions that were that come about were thought of. And it was a game plan to put behind them. You know, thinking about that just a little bit, you know, I, I was in television, as you know, for for 16 years. I was Mm -hmm. a a sports anchor and reporter, and I I made the decision um, about two and a half years ago to leave that career behind. And it was not an easy decision to make. Um, And when I sat down and really wrestled with it, 
it was very much a, a long-term play. You know, I, I thought about, is this going to be my career? Is this going to be what I do for the rest of my career? And because I, I basically decided the answer was no, I decided to leave. That was a long-term decision. Now, in the short term, it was really tough, you know, because I left a career that I love, that I had poured my heart and soul into, and that I had a lot of passion for. But thinking about it long-term, about, you know, from a career standpoint, from a family standpoint, I knew that as tough as, this, as that decision was, it was the right one to make. Exactly, because you thought about it. You know, that when you're making life decisions, you know, those are not spur-of-the-moment decisions. When I'm playing in a basketball game, okay, I can make a spur-of-the-moment decision because that's reaction. But when you're making a lifetime decision, man, you have to put some thought into it, Justin. Yeah, and, and you know what, Mateen? Our, our guests today are, are really going to be great resources on this topic. Uh, Mike Cordes and Matt Grella, as I mentioned, they are the co-founders of Nexa Mortgage, a mortgage brokerage out of Arizona. By the way, the fourth biggest brokerage in the entire country. Oh, wow. Uh, Mike and Matt recently made the decision to sever ties with a business partner that they had been working with for many years and they had experienced a lot of success with, but they they did what they thought was best team for the long-term growth of their company. Mike and Matt, join us now. Guys, welcome to Power Forward. Hey, how you doing? We are doing great. Really, really happy to have you here. And, you know, before we dive into your philosophy on, on that decision and, and the, you know, long-term versus short-term thought process, give our listeners some background on, on who you guys are and how you ended up running a mortgage broker shop. Well, this is Mike, and uh, um, I guess you can call me an old-school vet in this business. I've been doing it over 20 years, and Started in 98 as a young pup and um, went through the broker stuff and went through the financial crisis, got crushed under all that and got jumped back in, went banker world. And uh, uh, funny is that uh, Matt actually had to talk me into this broker thing. I, I was I was fighting it for, for about a year, Matt, give or take. I was uh, rel- yeah. I was just resisting it. And he's like, Mike, we got to check this thing out. We got to check it out. So we, we did it and he talked me into it. And. Uh, we went broker uh, what two years ago, two two years and a month ago, and gosh, it's just been a, uh, it's it's been great ever since. It's been like you know, like living the dream, right? Don't wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it worked out pretty good for us because I think I was um, I was very new to to being in the mortgage industry, and um, so I didn't have nearly as many um, experiences prior to the crash. I didn't have any, so. Um, me being naive and going into it, I think it was kind of like that blind justice, but knowing that, uh, that we believed in ourselves and, and I believed in, and, and, you know, our ability to, to create that, uh, it felt like it was a no brainer. Um, you know, I wanted to provide the best, uh, product and the best experience for my clients. And I think that was at the forefront of our decision. Um, and it's, it's, it's been a great decision ever since. Oh wow! And, and let me dive because I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right into it, guys, and ask the tough questions, guys. That's what I'm gonna do to get it today. So, you guys, you recently had to end a business relationship that was very prosperous for you guys in your company. When making a decision like that, you know what what factors what what what, what weighs into that? Well, for us, and this is Matt, by the way. For us, it was a combination of um, defining what are long term goals you know, are and, and, and aligning them with true partners, um, mm-hmm. true partners in the industry. And, you know, through interactions and, and, you know, kind of seeing a little bit of, of looking into the future of the writing on the wall and what would come, we identified that there was a, a need that wasn't being met by that particular partner. 
um, and we felt like they could no longer provide us with the uh, with the growth that we were looking to obtain. So, um, you know, it, it was a lot that had to go into the decision. Like you guys said, it was it was a prosperous relationship that we had, um, but uh, in the end, knowing that you know we saw the writing on the wall, and and, and whether that meant that decision was going to happen six months from now, eighteen months from now, it was. Um, why not now? You know, we had to ask ourselves that question. So we did. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to the future. I was just say, it kind of came down almost to, to us also like a need, right? Um, it wasn't that we only that we didn't think they were not going to be able to help us grow. They, they pretty much outright refused. And we saw them doing things in the need of their business model. Oh. Nothing to do with the need of our business model. Right. And that was just really like, you know, if we keep doing this relationship, we actually keep hurting ourselves. Mm. And so we, you know, we came to the decision that it's, it's, it was hard to do because, like you said, it was really prosperous relationship for us for a while. But it was just it was needed because we continued to feed somebody who was going who was going against us. And that just wasn't best for the businesses long term. You know, when, when you look at a decision like that, guys, you know, I want to ask you about, you know, getting your team to buy in because you guys have a lot of people that work for you. But before I get to that, I want to ask you just about the alignment between the two of you as, as the co-founders of the company, as the owners, you know, how, what were those conversations like as you two obviously, you know, talk through this, went through the pros and cons and, and ultimately came to the decision to, to pull the trigger on this? Well, headlocks and arm wrestling, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, which I won, by the way. <laughs> you know, there was a there was a couple good ones in there for me. But <laughs> no, no, really, between the two of us, um, there was some. Ad, um, there was never any real animosity. We both kind of knew it was the case. We just we maybe had a difference of opinion of when at times, but we both kind of knew it had to happen. We both saw really what was happening here. And we both saw that it wasn't for the, for the best of the organization. I think the only differences between Matt and I is when, when do we do this? Mm. And finally it just came to a point where we both just said, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Cause it ripped the bandaid off and let's, let's move on. So, okay. So, so you make the decision jointly to do it when you did. So how do you then go about making sure that you know, your team members are, are aligned and bought in to what you're doing because, you know, tell our listeners again, how many uh, employees do you guys have in, in your company? Well, em- employees, it's uh, upwards of 380. Um, loan officers, we have 326 today, I think it is. Um, so there, there was a lot of people affected is the reality, right? Uh, a lot of loan officers at our organization did a lot of business with this group. But these weren't, these weren't conversations that we just had with them, hey, tomorrow we're going to do this, right? We have, we've been having conversations with them for a while. We've been discussing it. We put it on our, our internal um, blog, blogging sections. And, and so it wasn't like a, a dramatic surprise to them. Um, I think how it went down was, but I think with them, they knew our opinion of it. They were, I mean, Matt, help me out here, right? They were bought in early on this. <laughs> The vast majority, they, they, they not were. all of them, but the majority. Yeah, they were, and we were very strategic about um, our covering our bases. We knew that we had, um, you know, we have employees that need to make a living for their families, and we understand that, you know, that's a top priority of ours is to make sure our people are always taking care of their 
responsibilities and they're living a life that they want to live. Um, so there was a lot of, of, uh, you know, replacements that we had to put in place, uh, to make this decision. I mean, you're cutting off a, a big part of your business. We had to have other, you know, people, other, other business partnerships that could step up and kind of fill the void. So we made sure that we did that first. Um, and, and that was part of the strategic plan that we had. And once they were in place, I, I think it made it a lot easier to rip the Band-Aid off. So when Mike was referring to the timing of it, I was kind of like, maybe we should wait a little bit longer. But when we looked at everything we had built and everything we had put in place, um, why not rip the Band-Aid off? Like, why wait? You know, it doesn't do anybody any justice. So that's what we uh, that's what we did. Yeah. And sometimes, hey, you just got to go, man. I, I love it, man. Some guy, hey, you just got to go after it. Now, well, let me ask you guys just because what happened? I'm sure I, I'm, you guys were aligned with it, but you're some of your team members. And what happened? Did you guys get any pushback from some of the team members uh, with the decision didn't fit so well with them um, and how it impacted their business? Um, how did you guys handle those situations? So there really wasn't uh, you know much pushback. There was conversations had ahead of time. So, okay. Um, we made sure, like I said, there, there was a strategy in place. We made sure to respect all of our employees and, and, and respect their wishes. So um, for some of our, our guys who are doing a tremendous amount of business with, you know, the, the person with the company that we, we you know, severed ties with, um, we talked to them first and we made sure that they understood that um, we had other plans in place. We had other uh, partnerships in place that would be more fruitful, provide them with more benefits um, and, and really made sure they were bought into that. Um, not one of our loan officers um, really, uh, you know, gave us pushback at the decision. I think at the time there might have been a little confusion, a little bit, a little bit of um, apprehension to the timing of it, like we had talked about. But it was pretty easy to overcome. We've got a really strong culture here at Nexa Mortgage. Um, we we truly surround ourselves with like-minded individuals, uh, and I think that's helped us uh, helped us a lot in, in making these decisions and not having such a huge negative impact on the company when we do. Well, and to piggyback off that a little bit, right? That I, I mentioned it. The one thing that they were surprised a little bit about is kind of how it went down. Yeah. Nobody was surprised that it was going to go down, but Mateen, you'll appreciate this. This was like a game time decision, right? Oh, yeah. We did this, and then all of a sudden, this other partner reacted in a way that we didn't expect. Oh. And it got a little bit ugly, and so we had to stop for a minute and do a you know, call a timeout, do a game time adjustment, draw up a new play and go and go with based on what we had at hand. Ah. Um, but it ended up being working out well for us. Everybody rallied around us, our, our, our folks, and they really supported us throughout it. They knew it was difficult on us, uh, but they, the support that they gave us because of that culture we have, because of the communication that we constantly lay out to everybody really did help us get through it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a great and, and specifically the support from the broker community. Yeah, uh, really helped. I mean, we all we're kind of a brotherhood. We we look at ourselves as, you know, we all go to the same events. We all see each other. We all share and collaborate ideas. And you know, being part of the you know the broker community, really seeing their reactions and their support, um, that was tremendous. I mean, we can't thank them enough. It was it was amazing to see, and it helped us helped our people kind of you know 
agree that, you know, and see that, hey, this was the best decision. We're glad that we did it. It's, it's interesting, you know, a couple of things there to, to unpack. You know, the fact that you guys said you have this culture of, you know, great communication. You know, you mentioned the internal blog and the fact that you, you communicated this um, to all of your team members in advance. And you know what? Kudos to you guys because, you know, transparency, and Mateen, you know, you can appreciate this. Transparency is such a huge thing. You know, whether you're in business or you're on a team, you know, if like if the coach is going to, you know, cut your playing time, You'd like to at least know about it in advance, oh, yeah. right? So, you know, kudos to you guys for for being transparent, for communicating with your team, because you know, no matter what you're doing, um, if you're open and honest with somebody, you know, they may not, you know, 100% agree with the decision, but at least they knew about it. And I think that that's something that a lot of people can appreciate. Yeah, that that communication is real important to all the next nation. So. So, so it sounds like, you know, you guys talked a little bit about being with like-minded people and, and having like-minded, um, you know, partners. And I, I want to ask you about that part. Um, what, what are the core values of your, of your company and why is it important to you guys um, to align yourselves with, with partners who share some of those same values and philosophies? Yeah, our, our core values are, are very, um, I don't want to call them simple. They're just, they're more of a common sense approach. And, you know, it starts with, you know, one of our core values of the golden rule, you know, treat others as you want to be treated, like the ultimate respect for your human being and and for your fellow partners, I I think is key. Um, We talk about, you know, being a thumb pointer and not a finger pointer, you know, always looking to, and this goes into another core value of always seeking to improve, but looking at, looking inward, you know, taking self-accountability of what I could have done differently uh, in a situation or in a predicament. Um, and then finally to do the right thing, you know, at, at all times doing the right thing might not always be the easy thing to do. Um, in most cases it, it probably does turn into being the, the harder thing to do, but, um, always do the right thing. Um, uh, act with integrity, um, high level of ethics. Um, and, and you, you, it, it'll drive your decisions and it'll drive your, your ultimate goals and you'll always come out on top. So we do believe in those um, as our core values. And, and it's something that we, uh, when I do an onboarding with a new, with a class of new loan officers every week, it's something I really push, something we really talk about um, and, you know, really get, get bought in. You know, we really get our guys to buy into it. So um, we, we like to make sure that all that's aligned uh, at all times. And every decision that you're going to make, we like to ensure that all of the core values are there. And let me dive in because you said something um, you, that really caught my attention. And I think it's a winner. All winners kind of think the same way. And it was saying, you know, if something doesn't go right, what could I have done better? Uh, and, because it's easy to point the finger and play the blame game when things don't go right. But you said that that really caught my attention. And I think a lot of successful people, what a coincidence, a lot of successful people, they have that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're uh, not, and nobody's, uh, nobody's going to be immune to, you know, bringing the right or wrong person in at times too. Right. So you just gotta, you gotta get rid of the folks that don't align to your mentality quickly. You gotta really get rid of partners that don't align to your, your, your core values really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've had to let go of the, the number one reason that, uh, next has ever let anybody go is that character issue is that character flaw. You just can't, treat people right or you can't accept responsibility and every business will have it especially if you grow it's how you handle it and and do you really stick to it or you just talk out of both sides of your mouth just say this is my value but you really don't enforce it you know and we make sure we do 
what uh, when you guys, you know, obviously being as big as you guys are now, like we said, the, the fourth largest brokerage in the country, you know, when you have other, um, you know, loan officers or other people in the industry or even people in other um, walks of life approach you about, you know, having success in business and really growing a company into what you guys have, have grown it into, um, you know, you know, are those the things that you really preach to them? You know, you know, the, the character things and, you know, having a strong culture or is it more focused on, on business strategies? What do you guys start with, I guess, when, when somebody approaches you about advice, um, whether it's, you know, an, an entrepreneur or another business owner or somebody who's looking to get into business for themselves? Yeah, we focus on, on character first. Um, you know, the business strategies will come, and, and we're fortunate enough to have, you know, 300-plus um, people in the industry that have proven strategies that work. So our collaboration and our ability to um, have our LOs collaborate with one another is, is, is tremendous. So the strategies, strategies are going to be there, but we do look. And for us, it's all about character first, and I think, Mike does a, an awesome job, and uh, you know when he does his recruiting calls every Thursday, he does a, a tremendous job of not only just talking about the differentiators and what makes Nexa different, but really he talks about a piece of character in there. And then when they come to me for the onboarding, it's just a reinforcement of that. So um, we do look at character first, and, and I think that is you know at the forefront of everything that we do. I'm big on that. Yeah, I think we need to talk about our long-term goals here for a minute, Matt. We're the fourth largest brokerage right now, but that's based on volume, and that bothers us a little bit, right? <laughs> we're going to have to make some adjustments here. <laughs> so we have the yeah, second highest for... number of loan officers, but the fourth exactly. production, that's a problem. We've got to make some adjustments. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, you, and you guys hit a little bit on that character, and it takes me back, to be honest, in my college days. I remember going to Michigan State University, and you know we were trying to find our niche. We were trying to you know, be noticed as one of the top programs in the country. And I think that's one of the things that we started on. You know, it was, who do we recruit? What type of guys do we recruit? It's not all about having uh, athletic guys or guys that's, that can play basketball. It was guys that fit into our culture. And I think once we start getting good guys in, good people and hard workers, we were able to change the culture at Michigan State and take it to a next level. Now, let me, let me ask you guys this question because – Culture is big time to me. And I, here at United Shore, we have a great culture. How do you guys, because you guys have grown, man. You guys have grown fast. How do you guys grow but yet keep that same culture intact? Oh, you got to have constant communication. So one thing that we do a lot of, uh, we, we really pride ourselves on, is we do a Nexa Town Hall every single week. And it's live, online video. The entire company gets together. And everybody comes on with live video and they can see each other. You're not shaking hands, but you at least have that sense of I'm looking at this person. Yeah. Even though we have loan officers across the country. And in that call, there's no topic off limits. We tell people, we encourage them in that call, tell us what's going on. We call it a town hall because it's important that they understand it's an open mic for everybody. I don't care what your problem is. At the end of my recruiting calls I do every week, I literally, I leave it with, now guys, if you come here, and anything I told you on this call is not given to you. You come to that town hall meeting and you call me out in front of everybody. Mm. And it's that accountability that we have to them to come to that meeting, open up the mic to anybody, no matter what. And we get caught off guard sometimes. We're like, oh, <laughs> that 
right? Careful what you wish for or ask for. Exactly, right? And so, but that's okay because we fix it. Oftentimes, we fix it while we're on the call because we have the whole company there. And we'll just call out our, our director of ops and say, hey, what, what, what's, what's going on with this? And she's like, well, you know what? I'll get that fixed right now. And then maybe the payroll person comes on and says, you know what? I got this. I understand what the problem is. They literally fix it on the spot, but it's that accountability in public. And that's part of that town hall meeting, I think, is part of how we got the communication for this for this partner that we cut off. Right. Um, got through it so easily within our group because everybody really, even though we're all across the country, everybody feels like we're all together. And that's how we keep everybody constantly updated with each other. So. No, it's it, and it sounds like you know it it really um, flows nicely with you know one of the philosophies that you guys have as a company, and I, I want to ask you just you know about um, the focus that you guys have um, being really on your on your team. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit you know a few days ago um, about you know what your priorities are, and you guys said it you know straight up that you are focused entirely on your team members and making sure that they, they are a number one priority, you know, whereas other business owners out there are looking at the bottom line, they're looking at, you know, uh, ROI on certain things, but you guys were, were very clear uh, about that. Why, why is that so important to you guys as the owners of the company? I think, you know, we feel your people are going to be your biggest asset, regardless of, of what industry you're in. It, it really, it doesn't really matter. If your people aren't going to get it done, if you can't get it done, um, the business isn't going to strive. So we, we really, we value the person. Um, we have, I, you know, I pride myself and, and so does Mike on knowing that we have probably one of the most diverse um, em, employment staffs in, in, in the entire, you know, broker industry. We're in 18 different states. Uh, we've got boots on the ground all over. So um, we could sit back and we could just, you know, you know, squeeze to the bottom line, but at the end of the day, you're going to, you're going to ruin relationships along the way. Um, those relationships could be bad ones that could turn into ruining your business down the road and your reputation. So we really focus on the individual. We focus on our employees, on our loan officers first. We provide a very high level of support. Um, and this stemmed from when Mike and I first became, uh, brokers or Mike went back to the broker world with me. Um, we, <laughs> Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we made some mistakes along the way. We had to learn the hard way a few times and things that we just didn't know. Um, and there was that sense of like, man, you're on your own now. You're a broker. So we wanted to, to make sure that our loan officers, when we knew that we wanted to grow to scale in order to do that, we knew that... Um, we had to make it as easy a transition for them as possible. And the only way to do that is through support. Um, so yeah. we really do revalue the individual. Well, and, and, to, and to piggyback there a little bit, right, um, I'll ask a, a question to, to, the, or to the answer. You know, who's the most important person in a mortgage company's environment? Is it, is it the owner? You know, I, I don't produce loans anymore. I'm not responsible for bringing in the revenues anymore. I'm responsible to support them, but it's the loan officer. The loan officer has to be the center of our universe. They just have to be. And at the end of the day, Matt and I, we don't think like to, we look at this thing, like we have 300 how many loan officers? Uh, we look at this thing in almost a surreal moment, not realizing or not really grasping the size of what we've become because we are really loan officers at heart. And we really strive to make sure we never forget the feeling of being the loan officer, being on the ground, being the one that has to deal with the clients or the complaints or 
or what the, the system, how the system works or the processing, whatever the case may be, not ever, ever forgetting that, that moment. That way you can really, truly um, understand how the loan officer is feeling and then provide them with everything that you can possibly give them in order to be successful or be happy with where they're at, because then they'll be, they'll be more productive as long as you can do that. You know, it's, it's a great point. And, and, you know, when you were just talking there, I, I, it reminded me, Mateen of, you know, as, as a basketball player or an athlete playing for a coach who used to play, you know, it's like when, when you were playing basketball, what was your relationship like with, with the assistant coaches or even a head coach who, who used to play, who knew what it was like to be in your shoes, maybe versus somebody who really, you know, looked at themselves as, you know, the coach, maybe putting themselves above the players. Well, it was always a great relationship because they were there. I mean, they they understand that every game, they understand that you miss shots. You're not going to make every shot. They understand you're going to turn the ball over. And sometimes people, and even in leadership, they forget that they were just team members not not too long ago. So I think sometimes our our leaders they have to decompress somewhat, come off of that high horse. And, and remember how you wanted to be approached when you were a team member and how you wanted to be talked to and you wanted to feel appreciated. So I'm glad you brought that up. But let me ask you guys this question because you, you mentioned making mistakes. And, and I said, and a big smile came to my face because some people make mistakes and they think it's the end of the world. And, you know, you don't become successful by not making mistakes and keep pushing through it. So when you guys did make mistakes, what was the process, you know, after you made a mistake? And moving forward. Call a timeout. <laughs> right? Hold up. Stop a second. Let's, let's draw this back up. Okay. I mean, making decisions is important. You have to do it. Right. Right? So some people, some people get, um, get caught up in the decision-making process, and they never really make one. I mean, we have to make six, seven decisions a day, some of them more important than others. But mm-hmm. if one of those decisions wasn't perfect, that's fine, because tonight we can – we can alter it a little bit, right? We, right? we can call a timeout real quick. We can game change that. And you've got to be willing to change the plan a little bit because, I mean, no play in sports ever goes exactly the way you wrote it up, right? right? And so you've you got to make some adjustments. And that's, that's yeah. what we do. We, we make adjustments. And, and, I, and I think for Mike and myself, our first step is we admit to the mistake. We, we let our guys know, hey, guys, yeah, that was a mistake of ours, but we're going to fix it, and this is what we're going to do to fix it. So, you know, you're going to make mistakes, you know, at times, sometimes often, but you got to fix them fast. Right, and I and I think it, like far in sports or business, it kind of go hand in hand. If you can, most successful people make adjustments on the fly. When I first got to Michigan State University, we struggled at making adjustments, but as I got older and mature, and Coach Izzo matured as a coach. We started winning games by being able to adjust. We made adjustments on the fly. And I think great teams have that and great businesses have that mentality. And that's one of the big reasons why they're having success. Yeah, Mike, Mike, one of the things you said, I think, about game planning, too, reminded me of that uh, famous Mike Tyson quote. Everybody's got a game plan until you get punched in the mouth, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly right. You, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, your, your business and, and the success that you guys have had. But um, I want to ask you guys both a little bit about um, your, your origin story, you know, because, you know, Mike, um, you know, you've got a fascinating backstory, you know, and, and speaking of getting hit in the mouth, I mean, you, you've experienced some things. Um, you, you, know, you went through some, some really tough times when you were, uh, when you were a younger guy. Tell, tell our listeners about some of the things you went through and, and how they shaped you on, on your uh, path to becoming the, uh, the person that you are today. 
So not only am I going to tell your listeners, but I'm going to have a lot of Nexa Nation reach out on this one. All right. <laughs> um, forgive me, I don't tell this story very often. I'm su- surprised I t- told you. But um, all right, so I didn't have the easiest childhood coming up, right? I didn't come from a silver spoon. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if Cordis is my real. In fact, we're pretty sure Cordis is not my real last name, but it's the one I have. Mm. So I, I had to create something from scratch on my own. Right. I was out on the, I was out on my own by 16, trying to figure out how to how to survive. Right. I'm um, trying to figure out how to find a place to live when you're not even legally allowed into a contract. So, you know, doing things like that and showing through that, I knew that I had to get out of that situation. Got in trouble as a, as a teenager um, on. I was forced back into the house on, on literally on my 18th birthday. Um, I was kicked out of the house. Didn't kind of knew it wasn't going well, but didn't expect it on that day. Um, had to figure some things out. I went to live on the streets for a while. I slept in some farms. Um, wow. And I just knew I didn't want to be there. It wasn't, I knew I was better than that. People didn't look at me like I was, but I knew that I was better than this. And um, interesting storyline to this is that I actually had an opening moment because I worked as a landscaper by day, right? Landscape installation, digging trenches, planting plants, shoveling rock. That's what I did in the morning. That's why I would sleep in the farm because that's where the crew met. So I wouldn't be late because I didn't have an alarm clock. So I, and so I wake up, but in the evenings, I mean, when you don't have a place to go, you can get into trouble, right? And it's expensive to be homeless. So I picked up two full, I picked up another full-time job. And so I was working at a, at a gas station pumping gas, but I, I did it in a very high end area, right? Cause it was one of the last full service gas stations in our area. And it was interesting because that was back in the, the early nineties when the Phoenix Suns were on their run. Right. And uh, these players were all coming in. Um, Kevin Johnson, Marley, Marley came in though. And I remember sitting there going, pumping his gas, really nice guy, by the way. And I just couldn't understand why I couldn't have, what everybody else was having. Right? Mm. It really flipped the switch in me. And I knew then I had to change. And it took a lot. It, a, a couple more months after that, I got into some assisted housing. Um, I would, and then I, I, I clawed my way out of it, right? I went into uh, to bill collecting and um, found my way into mortgages from that. And then, of course, uh, the rest is uh, somewhat history. I, it's, it's, you know, I really do enjoy those beginnings, though, because it really makes me who I am today. It makes me the fighter that I am today. Oh, yeah. And it makes me, you know, understand that, you know, you can have it all taken away, you know, and it, you don't have to have it, but you, you got to earn this now and you got to keep it. And to me, I, you know, I strive to show others that, uh, that they can have those things too, no matter their circumstance, no matter where they came from. I love it. And, and you, you know what? And you can make circumstances like that work for you. You know, you can let it motivate you instead of some people take the road of feeling sorry for themselves and, um, I appreciate the fact, Mike, that you didn't, you know, and you looked at these guys, very successful people and said, why not me? Why can I have the nice cars? Why can I have the nice house? And you didn't give up and you believed in yourself. So um, I want to take the second to commend you for that, because a lot of people, they give up. And I think the, the, the survivors and the successful people, they find a way, man. They don't find an excuse. They find a way. So that's a heck of a story, Mike. Very impressive. 
I appreciate it. I'm, I'll probably get a lot of uh, a lot of calls after this. So no, we, we we appreciate you sharing it with us. And you know, Matt, when you when you kind of learned about Mike and his background, and obviously you guys have been working together now for a while, but you know, when, when you learned about you know the way that he kind of scratched and clawed his way to to where he is now, you know, what what thoughts come to mind for you, not just as a as his business partner, but also as his friend? Well, I, I think it started with finding you know common ground. Um, you know, even growing up as a as a kid i always believed in hard work um so seeing that we had that commonality seeing that we both had that same vision um the the never never stay down mentality of you know life's going to get you down i mean you know you're not it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies right so you've got to be able to weather the storm and then come back and, and keep punching so you know um i i grew up um you know, I lost my father at a young age, and, and for me, it was you had to grow up and be the man of the house sooner than you really wanted to at the age of, of 10. Um, so it was just a constant fight. It was just, uh, you know, never want to let, you know, your loved ones down. Like, I didn't want to let my mom down, right? So I had this huge sense of pride, and, and I want to be responsible. I want to be the one where if you if you need something, I'm there, okay? Like, I, you know, I don't want to be irresponsible. Don't ever be thought of as that. So it, it's it's constantly proving it to myself, and seeing that Mike had that same work ethic and that same drive. Um, obviously, we have two different stories, but kind of similar. But knowing that we had that, um, you know, we, we we want people to tell us, "No, you can't do it." <laughs> right? <laughs> that that is what I want. I want to hear somebody say, "You can't do it." We thought about becoming uh, opening up a brokerage, and we had goals of being the largest you know mortgage broker in the country. Um, we didn't listen to the people that would say, oh, brokers can't grow more than three or five, four different employees. That's all they can have. They can't ever be big because uh, the system doesn't support that. We wanted people to tell us that it couldn't be done. So um, Mike and I, we like challenges. Um, the harder the challenge, I think the, the better it is that we respond and, you know, pressure. You know, we, 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 we like the pressure. And sometimes we put more pressure on ourselves. Um, but that's just because we like to, we, we like to strive. We want to be successful. We want to be great at what we do. So, um, seeing Mike having the same mentality, it's easy to go to battle with, with, with your partner, right? It's easy to go to battle with one of your brothers. And that's, you know, me and Mike, I think we're beyond just business partners. Um, and I think that's the best part about it. I love it. And you said, brother, I always encourage, uh, people. I said, don't look at some of your team members as coworkers. Because if it's a coworker, you'll do just enough. If you look at your team members as family members, then you'll go over and beyond for them. That's just that's just a natural behavior that we've learned growing up. You go over and beyond for family members. So if you're looking at your team members as family members, then that's what you'll do. So I'm glad that you said that the brotherhood and every good team I played on, we all had that mentality. Every bad team I played on, we didn't have that mentality. great 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 stuff guys hey but before we let you go you know just to kind of to put a bow on on the original conversation about this this big decision that you recently made that obviously has has uh, short and long-term ramifications for your company um if you're offering advice to other other people in business out there who, who may find themselves in a similar situation where they've got to make a tough call um what what are the things you would say to those people Sometimes you just got to do it. You got to make decisions and it might be tough, but you just got to do it. Just be plan- ready for a game plan. You got to be nimble enough to, uh, to make changes on the fly as you go. So, but if it's a decision that's inevitable, stop, stop at the inevitable. Just 
do it. It's going to happen. You know it's not right for your company, even though it's going to be painful. Get rid of that now, right? Pain is not pain is not permanent, right? Right? It, it's temporary. So get rid of it now, and then you can move on to being to doing things better. Yeah, and I think it comes down to persistence um, and will. All right, are you willing to do the things that you need to do to be successful? Um, to, to have your business be a success. You know, I think about the quote from Vince Lombardi, the difference between a successful person and others is not a lack of strength, not a lack of knowledge, but rather a lack of will. So are you willing to do it? Like, you know, are you going to go out and fight every day? Um, you don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to have the most money. But are you going to have the will? Are you going to outwork um, the next person to be successful? And I think... That to me is, 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 is key. You know, make the decision. Um, it might be a hard decision, but when you make that decision, carry it through. Be persistent. Um, see it through the end. Wow. I love it. And for people, for our listeners, first, first, first things first, Mike and Matt, you guys better get ready because your phone lines are going to be blowing up. You're going to have people from all across America that want to work with you guys. I'm telling you. So first things first with that. And second thing I want to say, for people that wonder why Nexum Mortgage is having some success, you don't have to worry. I mean, you don't have to wonder no more. We, with, with the mentality and the drive that you guys have, it's the reason why you guys are having success. We appreciate that, Mateen, especially coming from a champion. <laughs> I'm a go blue guy. So Ooh. Say, but man. See, we were, play, we were all playing nice until now, and now the gloves are really going to come off. But, hey, listen, it's all good. A, hey, a winner respects a winner. So 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 it's all good. <laughs> hey guys, uh, we, we, we we really appreciate you taking the time and, and for uh, for sharing your insights with us. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, best of luck to you guys uh, in the future. Yeah, thank, thank you. you both, man. We really, really had a lot of fun. All right, keep winning. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. All right, Mateen. Great, great stuff from Matt Grella and Mike Cordes of Nexa Mortgage. Um, what a story, you know, n- not just with uh, what they what they recently had the the courage to do to end that that very prosperous business relationship, but you know, the dynamic between the two of them and, you know, Mike's background, some of the things that he'd been through uh growing up. Um when you think about the the conversation that we started with, you know, decisions and choosing long-term versus short-term and what Mike and Matt talked about, you know, what do you think are the biggest takeaways here? Well, first of all, is one, one thing I took away from is confidence. First of all, they had to believe in themselves to break away from a, a very prosperous uh, situation that they were in. So the confidence that those guys had to, to break away, I mean, that, that stuck out to me. But I think about resiliency when you look at these guys, man, because I'm sure it wasn't easy. And, you know, they, they, they mentioned making mistakes, but fighting through it. And uh, another thing that sticks out to me is, is the culture thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's very important when you're, when you're trying to have a successful business, the culture. You can have people that's smart, that's good at a job, but if they don't fit into the culture, if they're not team guys, then they're not, it's, it's going to be a cancer to your team. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I really go back to the whole uh, communication mm-hmm. aspect of it, too. You know, the fact that they have this, this culture in place where they're so transparent, they communicate regularly with their team members. So when you've got some big news to drop on them, and, and let's be honest, you know, some people may not have really liked it because it, it impacts their business in the here and now, you know, you'd have to think 
that because of the system they have set up where they are so communicative, they are so transparent with their team, that people probably respect the fact that they they told them the way they did, even if they may not 100% agree with it. Oh, yeah. They definitely respect it, Justin. And think about this. We all don't like change. Oh, man, we hate change. But if we know the why that's behind the change, then, hey, it's all good. And I think great communicators, they understand that. You know, sometimes... To, to have success in whatever it is, whether it's sports, whether it's business, you have to be able to adapt. And when change comes about, the leader have, has to communicate that to the team members. They have to put the why behind the reason why there's change is coming. You know, it just dawned on me that, you know, with our whole conversation about, you know, short-term versus long-term thinking, I don't know how many of our listeners know that way back in the day, young Mateen Cleaves had to choose between basketball in football, because not only was Mateen a stud point guard, he was also a star quarterback. So, so tell them out there, you know, how did you end up choosing basketball? Was that a was that very much a a long term decision versus a short term one? It sure was. And 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 the, the funny thing about it is that I always felt I could have long term uh, success in basketball. You know, you think about injuries. Uh, when you think football, and I was thinking down the road, yeah, I could probably have uh, monetary success with football, but I was thinking down the road, okay, you know, long term, the health wise, mm-hmm. you know, and I, that that's why I really chose basketball because I thought uh, health reasons, you know, I was thinking big picture, and uh, and it ended up working out for me. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. I mean, it's not one that I can really relate to. I mean, having, <laughs> having you know, coaches from from Division One programs just waltzing into my living room. Hey, you want to play basketball? Hey, you want to play football? I mean, that must have been uh, that must have been pretty cool. And yeah, and think about this too, Justin. Now, as I got get older, uh, even choosing a school, mm. um, think big picture. I was thinking long term. If I went to the 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 Blue Bloods or the Kentuckys, the Michigan, the Kansas, the you know. Dukes, North Carolinas. If you win a championship there, okay, that might last a year or two. Okay, mm-hmm. great job. But it meant a lot more to win a championship at Michigan State to help build a program that was kind of at ground zero at that time. It it meant a lot more to help build that program and to win a championship there. Now, I mean, I'm, this twenty years, you know, we haven't won a championship. I still walk back in Michigan State's gym and. I get standing ovation. You know, oh, they, man, yeah. they love it. So for me, even picking a school, I was thinking long term, down the line. If I go to Michigan State and have success, how would that, how would the people uh, endure that? I, I give you credit, man, because, you know, not a lot of 16, 17 year old kids. Um, w- would be able to make a decision like that because, like you said, they're they're probably starstruck by the the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the Kansas or UCLA those those true blue blood programs because, like you said, uh, at the time that you chose Michigan State, they they were not a program that was really nationally renowned like they are now. No, it wasn't. Uh, you know, Coach Coach Izzo was in his first year. Uh, you know, he he couldn't promise me. I could get you to the NBA because he hadn't coached guys that went to the NBA yet. He couldn't promise me I was going to go to the Final Four or win a national championship because he hadn't done it. So I was thinking if I can go there and help build this program, it would mean a lot more opposed to going somewhere where the table is already set. So, so I, I guess the uh, the real takeaway here, the lesson to be learned, is whether you're uh, deciding which college you should go to or whether or not to buy the hot dog at Costco. <laughs> 
think about it long and hard before you actually do it. <laughs> exactly. All right, good stuff, Mateen. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. We will see you next time on Power Forward. To make sure you never miss an episode of Power Forward, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts and leave us a review. And look for another new episode coming your way two weeks from now featuring more inspirational stories of success. I'm Justin White. We'll see you next time on Power Forward.